Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I like to work in contrasts. And so I thought, well, it'd be fun for the next album to be Dar Sombra's version of a pop album, which meant shorter songs. And more meant- of them.
Welcome to the Dreams of Consciousness podcast. If you'd be so kind, would you mind introducing yourselves? Sure. I'm Brian from Dar Sombra. I'm Anne from Dar Sombra. You guys were actually on the podcast back in 2018 when you were on your Southeast Asian tour, which was, if I'm not mistaken, around this time as well, right? Like August, September, something like that? Yeah, I think yeah. it was the whole month of September. Yeah, we left end of August. And five weeks in Southeast Asia. And so I saw you guys when you played JB in the south of Malaysia and Singapore. Where else did you guys play on that leg? We did Vietnam, both shows were in Hanoi, and we did Indonesia, all over Java, and one show in Bali. Yeah, nine shows in Indonesia, five shows in Malaysia, one in Singapore, and two in Vietnam. Five shows in Malaysia. I, I don't even know five places to play in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually supposed to be six shows, but then one of the places we were supposed to play in Malacca, I think it was, yeah, got um, shut down like the week before the show that happened the week before our show was supposed to happen. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's let's talk about Darsambra. You guys had a, had a way of uh, describing your music the last time we spoke. Uh, is it the same? Are you guys still trans? Transapocalyptic galaxy rock. Yeah, it's yes. the same. Yeah, pretty, pretty much because we don't know what, what to call ourselves, you know. Lately, people it seems have been, to have stuck. Yeah, it seems to have stuck. Sometimes a lot of people lately have been calling us genre defying <laughs> or genre fluid, which is, you know, another genre, way of saying they don't know what the hell to call it either. Genre bending, <laughs> all of that. Shape shifting, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like genre fluid. I, I mean, would you agree with that characterization? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because I mean, <laughs> there's Sorry. definitely some genres that we don't do at all. Like you don't hear us doing too much country, <laughs> no. you know. So you know, so maybe we're not completely genre fluid, but but you never know what the future holds. You never know. Yeah, maybe we're gonna do a country song soon. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, of of the genres that you pull from, would you say that you guys? Uh, have a preference for any particular one? Like, would you say that you're more progressive or more atmospheric or... You know, maybe, it's a weird one, maybe psych, just because, like, it seems that maybe the closest these days to what we're doing is in either, pro, pro, you know, prog or psych, something like that. Yeah, I mean, but we keep wanting to make things heavier in the future, so metal is never that far away. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, I mean, any specific type of metal, or do you feel like you draw from the genre as a whole? Again, not not all the genres, maybe leaning more towards the doomy, yeah. stonery, and yeah. the more Sabbathy end of the yeah. metal spectrum. Traditional <laughs> metal, like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, or something, the more melodic stuff, the singing metal. <laughs> I don't think we, we spoke about this, but you guys are based in Baltimore, and Baltimore has always had a... Or Maryland, I guess, as, as a whole, has always had this kind of doom metal, the center of doom metal, a lot of great doom metal bands like The Obsessed came from there. Yeah. 
I should mention that Brian was in Meat Jack, who were, you know, this kind of like epic sludge band. In fact, Meat Jack were one of the first bands that I interviewed on the original Dreams of Consciousness when it was back, when it was a webzine 20 years ago. I mean, do you feel like the history of doom metal in, in, the, in your area has something to do with your sound, rubs off on you? Probably. I mean, like the, the Sabbath thing runs very deep through this region for whatever reason. I think, you know, because Baltimore was very much has this working class kind of vibe. And, and so people here like their metal, you know, on the, the sludgier, doomier side of things, I think. Yeah. So I saw you guys in 2018. I, if I'm not mistaken, you played some sections of what ended up being Transmission. Yeah, you called it. Nascent, so it was just a little baby. Yeah. Yeah. And 2019, we did a Q&A when, when Transmission came out. And, you know, other than this, uh, this latest album, which we'll, we'll speak about shortly, you guys put out a, a two-song EP of, of two songs, which will be on, on this upcoming album. Yeah. Different. Yeah. <laughs> Modified versions, right? Variations of those two songs. Yeah. 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 I don't know if we we really got to speak about your songwriting process. How do songs usually start for you? Well, there's a lot of jamming. Yeah, a lot of jamming. Jamming and jamming. With recorders, with taping it, you know, recording it while we're jamming. And then, you know, we glean out the juicy bits and cut out the fat. Mostly. Doesn't seem like it when we make a 40-minute song, but that's maybe years and years of previous jams yeah. adding up. Specifically on this new album, there was a lot of jamming. You know, initially, it, it all the newest album, it started when we were stuck in the house for, you know, yes. indefinitely. We didn't know. So we're like, oh, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Let's just play music and, and record it all. About three months. Yeah, it was about three months in. And then the way some of the newer songs came together was just going through those jams. And then I would sort of pull out the good bits and stitch it together, sort of Frankenstein-like. And then we would go back and sort of re-record it with, you know, better quality. But, you know, after I sort of arranged these little Frankenstein bits from the original recordings, okay, I want this to be here and that there and that there and that there. And then we'd go back and sort of, you know, re redo it. Oh, I do a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't just you. Yeah, well, no, we both did. I mean, we, we <laughs> this, this was probably a collaborative process. Yeah, transmission was collaborative too, but this one, I mean, transmission, we were recycling riffs that you had written maybe like five, ten, even maybe twenty years ago. Yeah. This one, I feel like most of it really was born after the initial sort of lockdown here in Maryland, like mid March, twenty twenty. So, but that, but that's usually our songwriting process record a bunch of stuff, you know, just demo versions of things, and then kind of go back and pick out the little bits that we like, that we think, ooh, this could be something more. Let's let's flesh out this idea. Let's elaborate on this idea, that kind of thing. And try to relearn how to play it. Yeah. yeah sometimes <laughs> like, what the hell are we doing? How did we do that? Then we got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... March 2020, when you started jamming, were you jamming with the idea specifically that you wanted to write a new album? It was in the cards. Yeah, I mean, it was more just jam and 
you know. We, we had a little agenda. I mean, after transmission, you know, one forty minutes on. There was a, there bit, was a dream there, of writing a pop up. I wanted to do, I thought our next album, since we did this one epic 40 minute monolithic, kind of dark, heavy sort of piece of music with transmission, I, I like to work in contrasts. And so I thought, well, then that'd be fun for the next album to be Dar Sombra's version of a pop album, which meant shorter songs. And more meant, of them. Uh, yeah, more songs, shorter ones, you know, and and in and, and, and a lot of different, you know, just all sorts of different styles, you know, not all one long jam. So. And in a weird way, I don't know if this, if we quite succeeded in this or even if we followed this goal, but we kind of wanted it to be a little bit lighter than Transmission, because Transmission is a pretty heavy 2019 pre-pandemic Trump administration <laughs> response kind of album. There's yeah. a lot of storm and drawing in that one. Yeah, and I think we kind of started just sort of purposely kind of lightening the, the moods songwriting-wise, just as a way to kind of lift our spirits when we were, you know, stuck around, not knowing, you know, is this the apocalypse? <laughs> what do we, you know, what's going on? Are we in it? Are yeah. we past trans-apocalyptic galaxy right, rock? Right, Now post or apocalyptic galaxy rock? <laughs> <laughs> and as far as like some of the vocals that you have on this, this album where it gets almost like, they're almost like vocal hooks. When do those come in? I mean, at the beginning, all the way up to the very end, I guess. Yeah, like stuff like Call the Doctor. That was the beginning. That was kind of sort of towards the beginning, and I just came up with this guitar riff, and then Anne started singing Call the Doctor over my <laughs> guitar riff. And we were like, okay, that's it. It's Call the Doctor, you know, things like that. But then even towards the end, because it took us forever to sort of put the whole album together, some of these some of, some of these songs were just getting put together just earlier this year, like everything is canceled. Specifically, the songs at the end, like at the end of the album, too, like a new Dell and uh, Give It More and things like that. And I everything feel like it's canceled. usually Anne comes up with the vocal hooks a lot. I don't think I've come up with any of them. Cancel is the last one. That's like on side two. Yeah, but you've been singing Everything is Canceled since everything was started getting yeah, canceled. Yeah, that, like, I knew that, that lyric. <laughs> It was so crazy. Like we couldn't go to work, we couldn't do anything. So it was like, all right, I'm gonna work in the garden. I was turning the yard compost, which is like a big pile of dirt, just singing to myself, everything is canceled, the world is canceled. And I think I have a recording from like March 16th or something, 2020. Like, okay, I'll save that for later. And then three years later it gets plopped in. Yeah. So <laughs> the lyrics come slow sometimes. And, 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 and you and not usually always last. Yeah well into the it's not. I mean I think there is a a perception of you know whether it's it's right or wrong and you can you can correct you can correct the the perception but I think there's a perception that Dar Sombra is an instrumental band yeah. but you guys I mean as 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 long as I've been seeing you you guys have been doing some kind of vocals even if it's just like chanting you know sure. interestingly enough there's a lot of <laughs> misperceptions about Dar Sombra and that's one of them but I mean, there. I mean, like, yeah, there were vocals on the the first Star Sombra album, and I love and, that one and song lyrics like screaming and yeah, quiet and yeah, yeah. So there's always been some voices on, on almost every Dar Sombra album, but it's not in your face, and it's not like a song lyric like you know, oh, I love you, girl, do do do, have a good day, <laughs> <laughs> it's, mellow kisses. It's in. <laughs> 
It's more like, you know, just sort of a voice as instrument, as an as an additional instrument, sort of with the music or almost in the, sometimes in the background or just with the music, but never, you know, like, oh, this is the song about, you know, my, that girl that broke my heart or you know, anything like that, you know. No, the, the lyrics can have a meaning, but even then it's maybe the meaning comes after the sound. Yeah. Like, call the doctor. They didn't have a meaning. It just sounded good. And we were listening to that Aerosmith song a lot. And the hand, like the hand that feeds the thing, and it goes, and that was cracking me up. So I think it just made sense then. But in hindsight, much later, it's like, well, it's a pandemic themed album. So call the doctor, don't call the doctor. Like that is germane. Right. You can call it germane. Call it germane. <laughs> it sounds like the the vocals and the lyrics are more stream of consciousness, like it, stuff that's that's lurking in the background of whatever you yeah, guys are yeah, feeling yeah. or thinking. Word salad for sure. Yeah. <laughs> The upcoming album is Doomsday Book, and it will be released on August 25th of 
this year. It'll be released in a few weeks as we're having this conversation. As I mentioned, you guys previewed two of the songs, or versions of two of the songs were released back in 2021, Call the Doctor, which we, we just spoke about, and Night Garden. Why those two songs? Why did you lead it off with those two songs? Those were the two, I think, that just were like, oh, we wanted to get something out. We, you know, we're stuck in the house. We want to do something to lift our spirits and to lift our friends and whatever, fans, spirits. And those two felt just like they were the, the ones that were the closest at the time that to be to being like a completed thing. They came first. They kind of came first. <laughs> so we're like, okay, they're out. Go, you know. And we knew we were going to fill this out with a much more, a lot more music. But those two were like, okay, they're, they're ready. Let's go. Let's let's put them out there now. The rest of the album is probably going to be another year or two before we put it out. So, and also, I mean, Call the Doctor is kind of the single for the album in a way because it's such a everything and the kitchen sink kind of song. I mean, we put a ton of work into the rest of it, but a lot of the other songs were a little more ready made in terms of like, oh, well, we don't need to put, you know, how many layers of samples and stuff into right. it. But Call the Doctor was like, yeah, everything in the kitchen sink. And it was kind of the, the hookiest, yeah. too, I think, you know. I mean, you mentioned that you wanted to follow up Transmission with a more pop album. And Call the Doctor definitely has the feeling, I mean, not necessarily pop, because it's, it's still a, a pretty long song. But it feels yeah, like... Right. It, 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 pop song. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, like Frankenstein by Edgar version. I was... <laughs> version of a pop album. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it does have the feeling of almost like a, a 60s or 70s kind of like... Yeah. Like Arena Rock. Or maybe not Arena Rock, but like, you know, big single from like The Who or... Oh, no, no, definitely. That, that was long-intentional. Yeah. 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 We wanted to be somewhere between Brat Rock meets Sweet meets The Who, you know, meets Craftwork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of, like all of our favorite stuff. And 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 just the idea was to just kind of get. Don't be afraid to be ridiculous and preposterous, you know. Because you know we've done the whole <laughs> drone doom heavy thing. We thought let's let's be fun and funny, you know, on this. So. For better or for worse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who gives a shit? Right. Great. <laughs> we're at home amusing ourselves with nothing yes. else. Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously, we're not making this music to be, you know, rich and famous. So yeah. anything goes. You sort of alluded to this, but I mean, would you describe this as a a, a, pan- a pandemic concept album? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. In a way, putting it out feels like sort of closing the door on that quarantine era of our lives. And, yeah, I mean, and didn't go on to the next phase, you know. And each song, like the order of the songs, everything kind of tracks our mental state from like, oh, oh shit, what is this? This is happening. Oh, this is really intimidating and anxiety provoking. Like that very first feeling is shelter in place is the first song on the album, all the way up to like learning how to cope with the anxiety and stress and frustration, all the way to okay, we're going to get vaccinated. Okay, we're vaccinated now. If that is going to help us, we'll find out. <laughs> and finally, we're going on the road again. Like the last song is like a return to the road. Kind of. right. Like, hooray, we're going to do it again. Yeah. And so it does follow that arc of like panic to sort of acceptance to hopefully, you know, it's, it's behind us. 
traditional Western literature has the concept of the prodigal son as like a character, the protagonist of the story, you know, going on this great journey, like the Hobbit or something, and then right. coming home, living to tell the tale. And the great journey for us was not like, oh, we're going out in the world. It was more, we're going in. Right. <laughs> and we're hoping to live and tell the tale. And then the album is the telling of the tale. So this is like your your Joseph Campbell hero's journey? You guys getting back? Escaping lockdown and getting back on the road? Yeah. But Joseph Campbell, like if it was acted out, like by the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> so is is the narrative linear, or I guess maybe narrative is not the the right word, but okay. Totally linear. I mean, I could literally go through it every. So we could go through every single song with you and tell you. And this is when this happened. And this is when that happened. Right. I mean, no, it, it's but it's it's sort of loose, but but, but, well, but also so yeah, it does it does follow an arc. You know, if you listen to it's a double record, and if you know, the first half is much more like sort of heavier, uh, panicky almost, tension-filled, and the second half is a little more like... We can do this. Like, okay, we got this. It's it's not the end of the world. We're going to live through it, and, you know, and so... Cultivate. So. <laughs> Cultivate. It's too dissimilar to the story arc with Transmission, either. So it does seem to... <laughs> but Transmission is more external to me in terms of like it's a reflection of the world that we were existing in like outside of our home like oh wow like there's a lot of like crazy shit happening and concepts of death it's kind of plays with that like, the first half is this very sort of judeo-christian you're gonna die and go to hell kind of thing and the second half is more of like you might get reincarnated and it might be awesome <laughs> so okay whereas i think this one, really, the prodigal son is just the people who are returning to the road. That's the return is ironically leaving the house is me and the prodigal son as opposed to coming back to the house. Right. It's more the journey. I mean, you mentioned that you released uh, Call the Doctor Night Garden first because those were the first two songs that you completed. How, how clear of an idea did you have going into the album of, of you know, the narrative arc that you wanted to have and the way that the album would be structured? I think we started compiling the demos. Like, I, I have a vivid memory that by summer 2021, we had a playlist on my little iPod with all the demos in pretty much the order that the album ended up turning out in so at some point over the winter or maybe the spring between 2020 and 2021 we sort of had arranged the demo and it was sort of like oh it, maybe if it goes like this it would feel nice you know like the just the flow of the music would feel nice and then we ended up pulling out a lot of stuff because we had way more rec stuff recorded than you know than, than even a double record it was like a, a triple record or more and we were like well, we got we got to cap it at about you know, the 80 minute mark. So we had three hours of demos. Yeah. Like that playlist was three hours long. <laughs> but it was my favorite album of summer 2021. It was the, our prototype version of the Doomsday Book. It was just, it was really neat. And I imagine some of the stuff that didn't make it onto the album will end up surfacing at some point in, in some capacity. Cool. At, at what point were you, were you happy with, the music you had written. When when was the writing process complete? And you're like, 
we're ready to record. It, well, the recording, oh, yeah, that's an interesting one because our process is so weird. It's like we recorded first in a way, and then there's like this editing and filtering, and then, I mean. Yeah, we sort of put together like a, almost like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Like some, some parts were recorded. It wasn't recorded like we didn't finish the writing. Like we were, it's like, it's like, we, were, it's like we were writing and recording it and revising it as we were recording it. So, tech, you know, really we were recording parts of it as early as 2020. And then even and then even up to earlier this year, we were still recording little bits, fitting in things, changing, you know, little things or fleshing out stuff that we had recorded previously. It was put together very jigsaw puzzle-like, a lot of it. And, and there's even bits that ended up from the original jams. There's only a couple of bits, but there's a couple of bits in there that we've just like, this is done just the way it is and just kind of plopped it in the middle of a song or edited it in somewhere because we were like, this is this is a complete piece just like this, but we need to figure a way in and out of it. And so we then had to record getting in and out of these parts, you know. So it was weird. It was never, it was, you know, it was, it was being recorded and written at the same time. And so... There's something kind of funny in the process too. Like, for example, with Call the Doctor, a lot of that was composed around like that sort of baseline um, keyboard line that's right. like a D, a, D. The whole song has it going. And, you know, we're the sequencer part in the background. The sequencer, like the oscillator. Yeah. Yeah. And the, technically, it's an arpeggio on my um, synth. Like you're using the synth as an arpeggiator. But like playing with like the cutoff and low pass filter and all that stuff with that kind of gave us like, oh, well, that kind of sounds like this, and I'm going to put that in. So it's kind of like the song sort of composed itself in this weird Mobius strip type thing. And that wasn't, I don't feel like that was exclusive to Call the Doctor. I feel like a lot of the songs on the album would like inspire themselves in different ways that we could have even predicted in the initial composition of the songs. There was a lot of evolution. Yeah, it's almost like having a... a a pretty fleshed out sketch, but then starting to elaborate on it and put little decorative bits on top of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And we should mention that you guys have your own studio, your own home studio. We're in it, right now. <laughs> it's not very fancy yeah, right now. I'm curious what your setup is. Are you recording to a computer? Are you- Yeah. Yeah, well, that's not too fancy. It doesn't look too exciting. It doesn't look exciting, yeah. Yeah, I have an interface. Things aren't put up. I have a, like a, what is this? What's, I got a PreSonus, but I got a Focusrite. I'm just a Focusrite interface into my Mac like a computer, computer, and I got some decent mics. And, and, you know, and yeah, a couple of decent studio monitors. It's nothing too, too fancy, but, you know, it serves our purposes. And I've just, I've been recording my own recordings since like the beginning of my band before me jack even and i just love the idea that at any given time i can go into this room in my house somewhere and just start putting down something and i don't have to be like oh i better book some studio time and oh that's going to cost me this money and that and all of a sudden and, and also the idea that if i want to i can experiment Sometimes it's a good and a bad thing because you know if you have a if you have a studio time that you have to book and you have a time and then you're spending money that can really help you sort of well we got to get this all together before we go in and here we can just 
doodle and noodle around for days on weeks and months and years on end and try things 17 million different ways and it's fun but it, you know it i don't know it can it can also it can be a good and a bad thing you know so. it enables creative long-windedness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it sounds like a lot of the a lot of the arranging is done after the recording yeah yeah, yeah, a good amount of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, after the initial demos, yes. Then we kind of go back and sort of chop up those demos. And, and then here's the chorus, and there's the first. And then we'll, yeah, and then we'll keep adding stuff on top of that as well. And because we're working, you know, in our studio, we can sort of just kind of again move things around and like, oh, let's open that up for three bars and stick something in there instead, and just juggle it around. So yeah, there is a lot of experimenting as we go as well. Did you engineer the album yourself, Brian? Yeah, yeah. And I should mention that John Smillian worked on the album. Yeah. He was our master. I've been working with him since Meat Jack days. He recorded Meat Jack's Trust album and our Days of Fire album and the, and the Damn the Meat Jack split and some earlier Dar Sombra stuff. But now I just record at home because I just love the freedom I have and how much time I have to experiment and stuff. And I'm not on anybody else's time. And, you know, and then, but then I totally trust his ears to, to, to make it, to, you know, make it jump out of the speakers at you, hopefully. It, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about this, sorry. And to keep jumping back to me, Jack, but a lot of those old sludge albums were not particularly well recorded. Yeah. And I think the thing that stuck out about me, Jack, to me was like, you guys had this huge epic sound. John. Yeah, we wanted John. Yeah. yeah, he he was he's the he's, he's the, the mastermind. Yeah, yeah, we wanted his we wanted it to sound good, you know, like like big like a Melvin's album or you know any any of the metal bands that we were hugely influenced by at the time. You know, we didn't want it to sound like I know some people like that aesthetic where it sounds like it was just recorded on a boombox in a practice space, and that has its place as well. But we <laughs> John goes the extra mile. Yeah, he really is very, very thorough. I'm so glad we worked with him on this album. And working with him was a total, just even the beginning working with him was like a total. It just kind of happens, you know, by chance and serendipity. He was a fan of the band and he just came up to us after a show and said, hey, I'm putting together a studio. Would you want to record something? Would you be interested in recording something there? You know, just, you know, you'd be doing me a favor. Is what he said, because I guess he was still learning his chops and learning, you know, getting his studio together and all that stuff. And when we heard the results, we were like, oh, this sounds really good. You know, we should do a lot of stuff with this guy. And today's his birthday. Happy birthday, John. Happy we birthday, love John. Even though we <laughs> yeah, <but> still. <laughs> Bladed happy birthday, John. But beyond his, his skills as an audio engineer, yeah. Why do you think the, the relationship has worked as well as it has for as long as it has? He's a fan. Because right? he's a fan. And then we became friends. I'm at the stage now and I've always kind of been this way, but even more so now where, you know, I, I'm not doing this to, again, to be rich and famous or to get in the industry or anything like that. I much prefer a handshake. I much prefer working with friends. I much prefer that, that sort of DIY aesthetic to what I do. It's, it's important. It makes, it's my comfort zone, if you will. And so I think that's better. I've had some not so good results in the past of just sending something off to somebody and, you know, like a master or whoever, and then 
hitting back, whatever. And then just, well, I don't really know this person. And, you know, he doesn't really, I don't even know if he gives a shit, you know. And I've also had really good results too doing that, but this just felt really good. And so, so for the last several projects, I've always worked with people here in town. And, and John was actually out of the game for, for quite a while. He only just recently, we started, you know, he, he, he went and had a family and he was kind of, you know, didn't have time to do the, indie DIY, no money in it, music, you know, thing for a while. And now his kids are grown and he's, he has, you know, he's got himself in a better position where he has the time and wants to work on that stuff again. And so I had him start, I think I started a couple of, right at the, as the pandemic was starting, I had him do remaster some meat jack stuff that we put out on Bandcamp. And, you know, he was happy to be, doing this stuff again and I was happy for him to be doing this stuff again and to be working with him again so this is this is great you know this is I'm, I'm we're happy as clams to be you know have John back in the fat
So in addition to the music that you guys created for this album, there's also a booklet and some videos that you created to accompany the album. And can you tell me a little bit about the, the booklet that you created and some of the videos? Oh yeah, the booklet, the Doomsday Book. That's the booklet. The Doomsday Book, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this was an idea that I think we came up together with, probably. I think you had the idea. You wanted to have, like, this Magical Mystery Tour-style booklet. Well, I mean, I grew up with, like, Kiss albums and and Dead Kennedys albums, of all things. And I was always impressed that both of those bands, you would buy their albums, and it would come with, like, posters and booklets and inserts and all kinds of cool stuff. And so I always wanted to do that, you know, with any a band that I've been a part of. And, you know, they always... That stuff is always, they say, that's expensive. But we thought, well, what the heck? Let's, just, let's do it. You know? yeah. Let's blow it out. We had savings from unemployment insurance. We were ready. <laughs> and I mean, I remember as a kid specifically loving to listen to the Beatles Magical Mystery Tour and like look at each page in the booklet as I went through the album as if I was going on this journey with the musicians. And I feel like the booklet for this album, there's a page for every song and an image that kind of reflects the ethos of the song. We came up with them all together. Some of them are pictures from those dark years <laughs> between spring of 2020 and I guess 2023. Yeah, I guess all the pictures were from them. Yeah. Or there were stills from the videos, but the videos were all shot then too. So yeah, it's all imagery from that time. Some of it's from when we would go on little weird tours once we got vaccinated and then others were just pictures of life around our home and the booklet also follows the 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 story of the album right from the beginning of the pandemic to you guys going back on the road yeah i mean it's like it illustrates themes like the shelter in place image shows an image of uh, I forget what these birds are called the ones that build like little nests out of mud on the sides of cliffs in the desert and chimney birds or something like that. And, you know, obviously that wasn't a picture that we took at home because we don't live in the desert. It was a picture that we took on tour in the fall of 2021. But, you know, it reflects the concept of like, all right, hide in your homes. Because <laughs> that's what you can do right now. If you have a home, go hide in it. But yeah, then some of them are stills from the videos, like called Doctor, that was a still from the video. Night Gardens, uh, not necessarily still from the video, but a production shot. And what's it? Give it lore. That's a still from the video. The videos are coming together. I mean, the goal would be to put one out for each song and then put it all together. It's essentially a feature length film because it is 75 minutes. So that was feature length. I mean, transmission was 40, so it's half feature length. And so far, we've got a good 30 three minutes done 75 so keep an eye out in the coming years as more videos get churned out by the in-house Darasambra video production crew aka me <laughs> and you've released uh, a number of these videos on your youtube page is there a plan to do something like a dvd or anything like that yeah i'd love to do that we think about it people ask us all the time i think once they're all done i mean who knows that might be in like three years but once they are all done i mean we've done it's called the doctor night garden and give it lore give it lore shelter oh shelter in place it's like place holding videos it's not quite officially what i want it to be yet but the next video i'll be 
pushing through probably when we get home from this next tour. So my wintertime project will be as a myth and that's a good 18 minute song. So I don't know if the videos will quite be like a narrative film, but maybe there'll be like almost like a silent movie, like panel cards in between each one mentioning, you know, some kind of theme or something. If there is an overarching narrative, I don't know, ideas to come. It's nice to have like a full like laundry list of, projects to work on because I love working on video so that's my first love and my first creative um, well my first adult creative outlet as a younger person I was a painter a graffiti writer that type of thing but I've been doing filmmaking since I was in college so it's been a good 20 years is give it lore the the video with the dancing yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Call the Doctor's got a lot of dancing too, but Give It Lord is the one with all the people in the field, right? You know, falling down, dressed up in Renaissance festivals. Yeah, that one just came out last week. Yeah, last yeah. week's release. Where did you find the people that you enlisted for the video? Are they friends of yours around the area? Yeah, I mean, we put the call out, and I mean, that day it was funny because it was actually the day that we filmed that was the rain date so had, rained out right, now, right i think had we done it on the actual day of production originally then we probably would have had even more people but as it was i was so grateful for all the people that came out friends of friends people who were curious people who've seen our work before and want to be part of the fun new friends people we never met before there were a few of them that was exciting they did great <laughs> you called the dancers we called them no, sorry. I made a bad joke. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, the fans. Oh, uh, yes. Thank you. Took us a second. We're sorry. slow. They're a little slow over here. <laughs> Speaking of videos, I, I should mention that the the audiovisual component is a big part of your live shows. Yeah. And you even even brought that with you to Southeast Asia. Yeah. And we will again if we ever get back, which we hope we will. <laughs> So as you guys are, are planning this tour coming up and you're coming up with your set list, do you also have to keep in mind what visual is going to accompany you while you're playing? Definitely. Yeah, because there's a specific visual for each song. It's not just like, oh, just put on that thing of with the skeletons or or the, the, the clouds. You know, the there's actually like, yeah, all the visuals are composed to each song and, and you can see that they, they change with the changes in the song and stuff. And so, yeah. We put together a set list based on one do we have a video for this song you know and then you know and then we just kind of go from there we've got several hours worth of stuff now but we always try to keep it through the newest stuff whenever we play although we still are bringing out transmission and since we saw you in jb transmission we have a video for them but it was kind of like some of it was placeholders like just different colors that were evocative of the quality of the music since we've seen you, that video is finished and much more fleshed out. I don't think we'll do anything quite like that with this album, simply because the songs themselves are a challenge to adapt to the stage show. Like the next song we should probably adapt would be Give It Lore because we have a video for it now. But a lot of these are creations of the studio. And so with never with the intention that we were even going to play it live. I mean, like even Call the Doctor, we were like, Let's make this crazy song, and then oh, you know what? That'd be cool to figure out how to play it live. How are we even gonna go about? <laughs> yeah, because that? in the past we would like write songs 
and live, like to be played live, and then we go out and play them live, and then record them, and then but, make a video after. We were stuck in the house; we didn't know when, if ever, we were going to go out again. So we just started making a studio album. So we started with Call the Doctor. We started putting in chickens and owls and frogs and all that stuff, and a giant vocal choir with like I don't know, ten or more voices and tons of layers of guitars and and synths. And it's just the two of us on stage. So so now we're kind of having to go back with this album and be like, oh, how do we how do we adapt some of these to live? So, you know, so that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's an adventure. And I imagine there'll be some of them that will never probably ever do live, you know, just because they're they're what they are. And, you know, and, and at this point, we have so much material that we're at the stage now where we could just do a whole album of stuff. We, we can never do live and still have it you know, hours and hours of stuff to play live. Well, what's the answer to that that question? How do you translate the, the studio experience to the live experience, uh, especially when you have multiple guitar tracks and vocal choruses and things like that? I know, like, lot, lot, lots, of, lots of loops and layers and, you know, flying in the occasional, like, backing thing or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. So because we don't have a drummer, it's kind of, integral for us to have at least one loop whether it's a synth loop or a guitar loop or something to help us keep the tempo of the song and conveniently that loop is what we time the video with and so like if i compose a video following that loop and i trigger the video when he triggers the loop they work together really nicely and i guess it gives you kind of a signature like oh the the music and the video happen at the same time. Wow, that's wizardry! <laughs> it's like we just pulled up the curtain and showed you the the wizard of Oz hiding. Yeah, people yeah, say, "Is it, is it MIDI? How are you doing that?" And it's like, no, it's a lot of just like, uh -huh, and go. And we can look at each other. And, go. <laughs> and now you know what the man behind the curtain looks like. Hey, no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between Wizard of Oz and two thousand one. Yeah, that's what our band is based on. 2001 and Wizard of, and Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. That's maybe, much... maybe a little bit of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but the book. And Scooby-Doo, don't forget Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, Scooby-Doo. Scooby -Doo. can't forget Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things that drive our sombra. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so when the album comes out, you guys will be embarking on a two-month tour. Yeah. Just North America? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This time around, this this run is is US North and America Canada. and yeah, so so U.S. and Canada. Yeah, and then I think next year we're going to hope to try to come to Europe and I don't know wherever else. Maybe we'll come back to Asia. You know, just where whatever wherever we can go, whatever whatever the you know whatever it looks like. <laughs> wherever the love is. Yeah. Go where the love is. Go where the love is. Go where the offers are. See see what we can make happen. So people will be able to get the full run of tour dates on your website and on your social media pages. But is yes. there anything in particular you want people to know about as far as festivals you're playing or things like that? I mean, hmm, we got some cool shows on this tour. We're playing the Mushroom City Art Festival in Baltimore at the end of it. And we're playing the first Black Hills Psych Fest in the middle of it. And we're playing... We have our first show on Protection Island in British Columbia. That's an island between... Vancouver and the Nanaimo, and we actually have to take our gear on a 
little boat or something out to this little island. To play yeah, we with. can't take the whale van. That'll be fun. And we'll um, the whale van in town. And well, we're playing some other couple other festivals. We're playing the Shadowwoods Reunion Festival. Oh, that's actually yeah. the last date of the tour, oh, which is really cool. a nice place to land because um, they've really made it very homey for us they they are just they have accepted all of our art shit yeah yeah we're, the, the, we're like you metal they are the most metal heads this is not you know we're not really a metal band but they love us they so, love us. And so we, love a, them. we love them and it's a great place to to land but to be fair the curator mary spiro does have a really unique vision when it comes to metal and i find it so cool about playing the festivals and shows she puts together is that no two bands sound alike it might all be metal, but it's this wide variety of different kinds of metal that, like, it just doesn't feel like the same old Cookie Monster band after band after band. Mm -hmm. It's that diversity is something that I never take that for granted. You say you're not a metal band. I'm curious who your who your audience is. We are too. We are too. Immerse <laughs> <laughs> bills. Then we have metalhead fans, like and we have metalhead elements in our, you know, and metal metal elements in our music, obviously. But you know, we some, played a, a noise. We just played a noise experimental festival this past weekend, and so we we have, you know, it's like it's we're not really a noise experimental band either, but we have elements of that in our music, and so you know, like again, the genre fluid moniker title whatever kind of works with us because yeah, you know. What about the mushroom festival? And we're playing the Mushroom Festival, which we have the psychedelic element to what we do as well. And so to be fair, there's a personal connection there too, because I mean, with mushrooms, like they're helpers for video composition, creative composition, sure. But also beyond that, the Mushroom Festival is in the park where I shoot a lot of my footage. Yeah, it's in the park, right, like most right in our backyard, basically. Most of Gibbet Lore were shot there, a lot of you know, all these other, a lot of transmission was shot there. We actually moved here to be next to that park. So yeah, that's, that's how it's fun that all of a sudden, years after we moved here, they moved a mushroom festival into that park and we get to play it. So. Right. It's a 1200 acre urban forest in Baltimore city. So what more could you ask for? Yeah. It's like, if you go in there, you wouldn't even know you're in the city. Of course, you can hear some helicopters and sirens way off in the background, but, <laughs> but other than that, to look around, you could be, you know, in, in Oregon or any number of California, yeah, California. West you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even know, you know, so we that's and that's really important to us because that's we, we thrive off of that kind of a thing. I mean, we're we're city dwellers. We live in Baltimore. We like the art and the culture and stuff, but we, we really like the nature a lot, too. So that's very, very important.
Is there a preference that you have for playing live? Like, do you like being indoors? Do you like being in clubs? Do you want to be outdoors? I mean, outdoors is always a hit, but I feel like our last tour, not the last tour, because we got back from one in June, but we did a tour in October of last year that really gave me a strong appreciation for like 30 ass dive bars <laughs> as creative incubators, particularly in like towns that there is not a lot of space for that. Like, of course you want to play a nice, whatever, a gallery or a coffee shop where they give you a delicious meal or something like that. That's great. Or but, a big festival outside yeah. where there's trees and sunsets too. Right. But the dive bar, I mean, I'm not even really a drinker. And yet we find ourselves in dive bars till like, you know, 2, 3 a.m. regularly on tour. And I used to really get kind of chagrined about that because, you know, it's like, did they clean that floor like 30 years ago or what? Like, there's just that <laughs> sense of like, I don't want to say stagnant energy, but like there's a pile of energy over the ages that's been piled up there. You can feel the ghosts of the space. Yeah. And I think that used to make me kind of uncomfortable. Now it's like I want to roll all over the floor. Like, oh, no, the dive bar is great. Like, this is the creative incubator because this is what people have here to access DIY music and culture. And I think what I like about what we do is we can do it anywhere. You can stick us in the middle of the desert or you can put us in somebody's basement, you know, and, and anything in between. And we're just going to make it our own space and do our thing. And we're just as comfortable in, in any of these spaces. And I remember when we played a garden center. Yeah, we played the, the the back lot of a garden center amidst all the the plants and the. I mean, like anywhere, mulch. it does not even matter. I feel like the last tour we did, we had some really funny spaces too. I'm just trying to remember what they were. We yeah. played someone's living room in this very beautiful haunted looking house. It's just I know that's not that weird, but weirder ones. It'll come to me. <laughs> we love it all. Yeah, we really. Do. We're happy to be anywhere. Being, Ooh, being the noodle shop in freaking San Luis Obispo. Oh yeah, yeah, that we played the, the noodle shop. Also a very haunted place. It's like really old noodle shop. It's supposed to be one of the most haunted places in San Luis Obispo is this this noodle shop. And we yeah, we played in the upstairs and it was yeah, that was fun too. Yeah. I really enjoyed playing outside our friend's record shop on a reservation in South Dakota. And we'll be going back there yeah. on, on this Dakota, upcoming tour as well. Dakota Sioux Reservation, because that was outside under the stars. And we kept, like, he kept pointing out UFOs to us in the sky. That was pretty cool. So this is slightly tangential, but you're talking about the dive bars. Brian, do you remember the place that you played? You played so many shows. You played New York a lot, so I don't even know if you'll remember this place. But 2008 in New York, it was like this little basement place. Maybe the cake shop, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there was a bunch. Around that time, it seemed like every place I landed in, and this was back when Dark Sombra was just a one-man band, but it seemed like every time I landed, first of all, this was in Manhattan was still doing shows. I don't even know if you could, and now we, we play Brooklyn. We hardly ever play Manhattan. It seems like all the, the weird little DIY crusty underground places have been, you know, shoved out, outpriced or whatever. But I remember at that time, like all of our all the shows I was playing in New York were in these tiny basements. You had to go down a little stairway and then, and then it was a tiny little room. And then you had to load through you know, the, the way people came in was the same way people loaded out. And there was, they were always running another show right after yours, usually like a DJ thing after the bands. And it was, I just remember it 
was like, yes, it was very claustrophobic, claustrophobic and cramped. But I, I loved those shows. It might have been the cake shop, might have been it. There was another place, the Lit, Lit Lounge or something like that. It was another I venue or whatever. But they were always in a, in a tiny basement, you know, in a little tiny room in, in Manhattan somewhere. Yeah, I, I remember those shows. I mean, the thing I like about shows like that is we talk about the underground and you were literally playing underground, but, (laughs) but there's an element of like, you know, you're at a speakeasy and you have to know the guy to know the guy to find out about the show. Yeah. And it becomes this very like closed community of like people who genuinely want to be there to see the band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. Request. As opposed to like, you know, it's Saturday night and so they're going to go to Gilman or St. Vitus or whatever. Right, right. Sure. Yeah. And we still play places just like that. Yeah, remember when we played Paris last? Yeah, that was in a tiny little tiny dungeon basement like underneath of this bar. Yeah, that was real with like vaulted ceilings and stuff. It was kind of like if you ever see that movie Triplets of Belleville. Yeah. They have like Got those bicyclists that the they basement. get kidnapped and they're in the basement pedaling away this screen of the uh, <laughs> Tour de France, squeezing, making wine or whatever. And they're just like, uh, uh, and think, it looked just like that. And I think the show was in <laughs> And it was in Belleville. Yeah, the show was in, in a basement in Belleville. <laughs> it was like the triplets of Belleville. We just didn't have the, the bicycles. But it was a basement of a bistro. So yeah, upstairs, you know, people are eating, drinking, having a grand old time, and we're downstairs going In a crazy. sweaty little basement going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> French Antitas. Yeah. That's amazing. Played out shopping. Mm-hmm. And broken light bulbs. So Doomsday Book will be released on the 25th of August of this year. Brian and Anne, tell people how they can order the album. What's the best way to get it? Well, there's two sources right now that are easiest. One, two, count them. <laughs> One is darksombra.com and just go to the shopping, whatever, the, the, the store. The merch. Merch the page, merch whatever link. the merch link is. I think it's called store, online store or something. And the other one is go to our Bandcamp page and you can go to them merch section of that too and it comes in limited time only the new albums comes in these special bundle packages where you can get a limited edition a t-shirt that we're only doing as like this one-time thing that, that'll come with it or like a little handmade bismuth crystal and it's been making bismuth crystals as part of the uh, as part of a covid hobby that she's started getting into they're all giant business crystals in here yeah. then there's a business crystal on it's the album cover but where she has little handmade ones so you can you can even get special special bundle packages or just go just buy the record it's gonna be double vinyl or a single cd or the digital there's currently no plans to release it on cassette but i imagine at some point maybe a cassette edition might end up making its way out there as well. I don't you can know. find the manufacturer they'll do, I guess, 40 minutes per side, 45 minutes per side. Yeah, we don't want to do one of those double cassettes. That's, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Almost plastic. Yeah. We spoke a little bit about the booklet. Do you want to say anything else about what people will get from the vinyl? So the vinyl, there's a booklet with the, there's this tinier booklet with the CD. The same booklet is with the, the same booklet comes, but a much larger version of the booklet comes with the vinyl version of it. it's like 10 by 10. And I think the CD version is like four inches or something. And there's a sticker that's exclusive to the album as well that comes with it. And that's, and a, and a digital download. 
Oh, yeah. So, you know, beautiful, full color, kind of half inch booklet. Very fancy and great. And then this little sticker as well. So we mentioned your website. How else can people find out about tour dates and updates about the band? Yeah. So, you know, if you look us up on Instagram and Facebook or darsombra.com, I think those are the best three outlets to find our info and tour dates. And then we have a YouTube channel, although that doesn't usually have tour dates on it. And for those interested, we do have an email list and we send out pretty regular email updates. And yeah, you I think can, you can join that through our website. Yeah. And we send out stuff whenever we got some news to announce, a few, few emails a year, nothing too intrusive. Just enough to keep it in. And people can see all the videos that Anne created for the, the album on the YouTube page, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're all going to YouTube. My old friends, I started a YouTube account for my own personal video work, I think back in like 2004 or something like that, when I first graduated college and thinking like, yeah, that's cool, that's novel. And now it's like, oh, I've had a YouTube account since 2004. It feels very dramatic. <laughs> Brian, you mentioned that the Meat Jack albums were remastered and are on the Bandcamp page. Do you want to say anything else about that? Yeah, some of the, the ones that are out of print, like specifically the AIM album, we put out this album called AIM. We put it out as a cassette. It was sort of like a, a demo. It was supposed to be our, our album. And then the label we were working with at the time was like, we recorded it with Steve Austin and we were kind of going in a more heavier, noisier direction. And our label at the time was just like, we, we can't make heads or tails of this. We don't, we don't know who the audience is for this. It sounds distorted. Uh, we're not, we're not going to touch it. And so we kind of just put it out ourselves on a cassette limited edition until the trust album came out. By that point, we had gotten a new drummer and we had kind of made re new arrangements of a lot of those songs and stuff. And so we just re-recorded most of that stuff and then putting it, put it out on the trust album. So the, the versions of aim with a different lineup of the band and some songs that didn't end up making it on a trust just kind of got lost in time. And then I had John Smullyan remaster it. And along with the demos that we made before we recorded the album with Steve Austin, and which some people thought actually they liked better than the, the, the one we did with Steve. So we put them all together and just put it out as like AIM expanded. And some of the seven inches as well, some of the early seven inches, I had John remaster those just to because it sounds good. And, and he's done a few more. And eventually, I think some of the other ones will end up making their way out. There's not too much. There's only a, like a small bit of Meat Jack stuff left unreleased. I have a little playlist on my iPod of like, call it, you know, I, one day I think it will come out as like, you know, like the odds and sods of Meat Jack, little bits that didn't make it out or that only made it on compilations or B-sides or something. And But a lot of them are covers, you know, that we did. We did a lot of covers we did a melvin's cover and we did a leonard skinner cover and i don't know a, a couple other things i think we covered black sabbath or something and so a lot of this stuff's never seen the light of day so maybe that'll show up someday but it's 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 a little more interesting with covers you know you got to pay licensing fees and stuff like that <laughs> so that's why some of that stuff hasn't hasn't quite gotten out there just yet but who knows maybe maybe one day somebody will be interested i'd love for a label to get interested and put out you know, vinyl versions of of those records, I mean, especially especially right. Trust or Days of Fire. I think those are 
would be awesome albums to have on vinyl one day. Mm. Uh, who knows? They came out during the era of CDs when nobody was really making vinyl, you know, so they never ended up really getting to that format. I mean, you know, grief came back has come to grief. There's this whole rediscovery of a lot of those bands that, that, you know, maybe didn't get the attention they deserved back in the 90s. So I'm sure someone will, someone will get in touch with you sooner or later. Well, we're, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I'd love to get it back out there. It's good stuff. I'm proud of it. Is there anything else you guys want to say? Thank you, Adrian. Yeah, I think thank you for, for this interview. We're really excited about the new album coming out. And we planned to tour a bunch on it. Like you, like you mentioned, the tour coming up, the North America tour we're doing. But there is a plan to follow it up over the next few years with, you know, going to Canada, hopefully coming back to Asia, maybe going to some places we always wanted to go but haven't been to yet, like South America or, you know, who knows where. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, keep an eye out. Come. Get you. <laughs> Very cool. Just yes, said we're going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.